excited to be here and see. Yeah. Yeah. And to see what God's going to do as we go forward together, especially for me, the focus of student ministries and how we help these students keep furthering their faith journey, coming to know Christ and those things. But this morning, I get to have the privilege also of opening our new series, and I tease Brad about that, you know, my first Sunday here teaching you, and he's not just going to throw me under the fire, but he's going to ask me to open a series, and so I get the privilege of doing that today, Uh, and we are actually going to study one of my favorite books, the book of Hebrews. It is such a powerful book. And it opens up so many things if we're allowed to let it work in our lives. But here's what I want to say before we jump in. One, there's a lot of confusing things in the book of Hebrews if you've ever read it. I actually had to write a whole paper in college on can you lose your salvation or not just off the book of Hebrews. Never want to do that again. That was a forever difficult paper. But there's a lot of confusion, and one of the things we're going to try to do our best as a teaching team is bring clarity to those moments of confusion or misunderstanding or any of those things as we walk through this together. There's going to be people in the Bible, in this book of the Bible, that we're going to be like, who is that? And we're going to explain those things. The other thing I'm asking through this series, and our teaching team is asking through this series, is we would love for you to bring your Bible with you. So we can be in the word together, so we can open it together, so we can dissect it together, so we can be in it together. If you're like me, I know some people like do not write in your Bible. I'm opposite. I mark that thing up like no man's business. But let's bring the word and be in the word together during this series, okay? So before we dive in, though, I want to share you a story because our series, as you see up on the screen, it's called Jesus Better. And we're going to see this this morning and we're going to see it through the whole study, why Jesus is better. And they'll be like, okay, that's great. But there was a super hard moment for me a couple years ago with this reality. And it wasn't about me seeing Jesus better. It was allowing my son, Jonathan, who's five, And I got permission from him last night to share this story. That actually Jesus is better than daddy. And it's funny because in that moment, I had never felt tension, right? I've been a pastor for over 15 years. And I've taught so many people about Jesus and and Jesus is better, right? But I had this moment with my son where I was like, okay, I got to lead him to Jesus because if I don't and something happens to me, I failed my son. And so I'm wrestling with this tension in the moment about, wow, for the first time in my life, I'm actually going to not be my son's superhero. I'm not going to be his comfort. I'm not going to be his security. But what's more important, that, or that when I die someday, he has a relationship. And so two years ago, we were at my parents' house in Iowa, the great state. It's called heaven, right? For those that have watched Field of Dreams, I believe it. But anyways, we'll argue about that later. And we try to guard, my wife and I, what the boys watch, because there is a ton of garbage on TV. And in this one moment, we couldn't guard him from a commercial 
you can't really, you can guard shows, right? You can guard movies, but those commercials like to sneak in on you. And in that moment, my son's watching this commercial, and it's a whole TV series, and all he sees are these people killing each other and blood on the boat and all these things. And he's three. When he comes to me, as we go downstairs to go to bed, he's like, Daddy, I'm scared. Why do people do that? Why would somebody do that to somebody? I said, buddy, unfortunately, people aren't always very nice. And in that moment, it's when it kicked. Are you going to lead him to me, or are you going to lead him to yourself? And I said, buddy, here's what I know. I know we need to be in the Bible, and I know we need to pray before we go to bed. But hey, buddy, how much does daddy love you, by the way? You know, in his little three-year-old arms, as best he can. Daddy, you love me this much. I was like, buddy, you know how much God loves you? And he goes, I don't know how much. And I said, I can't even spread my arms that far, buddy. I said, but here's what I know. Tonight, if we be in the Bible together, and if we pray together, and you believe that God loves you way more than daddy will ever love you, He'll protect you from the dreams, the nightmares tonight. I believe that. And so we went through that process. And the next morning I'm sitting out with my wife before the boys get up. And Jonathan gets up, he opens the door, he comes running out with this huge smile on his face. And I was like, what's going on, dude? And he's like, Daddy, God loves me this much. And I was like, why? And he's like, Daddy, he protected me. I didn't have any nightmares last night. And I was like, I would never give that moment back. Do I want to protect my son? You bet you. I'm a teddy bear, my wife says, but when you mess with my family, I become papa bear, she jokingly tells people. And I'll guard my family in a heartbeat, but... What's more important, Daddy be the superhero or Jesus be his Savior? And that's where Hebrews is going to take us. Hebrews is going to take us on this journey through the Old Testament, basically. So if you've never read the Old Testament, I'd encourage you to do it, at least Genesis through Deuteronomy, because a lot of the stuff they're going to bring up in this book comes from those five books. And if you haven't read the book of Hebrews, I'd encourage you to read that. But we're going to start in the first three verses. So if you have your Bibles, will you open up with me to the book of Hebrews? And we're going to look in chapter 1, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 3 together. Now, I don't know how many of you have had to write a thesis for a paper. I argue I've tried many times. But this author, we don't know who it is, honestly, but this author probably writes one of the best theses I've ever read in a book. And he's going to show us from there what that looks like. So let's start in verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. I'm going to stop there. So there's two things I want to point out. One, the prophets. God uses these humans, to bring people back to him or foretell the future. 
And so the idea here is in the Old Testament, when they're talking about their ancestors, they're talking about our whole book of the Old Testament. These people, titled prophets, come along to say, hey, come on people, warnings here, come back to God. And or they're saying, hey, there's something greater coming, prepare yourselves for it, which we get the privilege of already knowing the answer. Who is it? Jesus. And so these prophets come, but here's one of the things I love about this verse. God always wants to be known. If you read the Old Testament, he is not leaving them alone, hanging and dry, going, oh, here, you guys go live life. He's like, hey, I'm active. I want you to know me. I want you to follow me. And since you're not, I'm going to send people into your life to call you back to me. But I'm not just going to call you back to me. Guess what? In that calling you back to me, I'm going to tell you the future and how amazing it's going to be when this one moment happens to prepare you and hopefully lead people to him when he comes. I don't know if you're like me. There's many times where I don't always know if God's really active. Or there's moments you get discouraged and you go, is God really there in this moment? But the Hebrews author doesn't want us to miss this. He wants to remind us, hey, God is always active, and he wants to be known, and he's going to do it through different sources. And through the Old Testament, it's going to be prophets. Now, we're about to enter verse 2 and 3. Okay? Are you ready for this? Only one person's ready for it. There we go. Anybody ready to enter verse 2 and 3? Yeah, Yeah, because you know why? You know why? Because here's the truth. The Old Testament exists, and it's a great set of books, and it leads us to Jesus, and God always is active. But hey, it's not perfect yet. And now here comes Jesus in verse 2 and 3, and the author is going to give us this huge picture of who Jesus is. Now, who can't get excited about that? So let's do it. Verse 2. But in these last days. So God's always been active. He always wants to be known. But in these last days, the days we're alive in, he has spoken to us by his son. I don't know if you realize this, but we have a gift and a privilege that a lot of the people, the ancestors didn't have. We have the New Testament. Whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the exact radiance of God's glory and the exact reputation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. There's the gospel right there in two verses. I want to pack this with you because this, I don't want to miss this today. And as we go forward in our series, I hope we always come back to these realities and these truths. Because you're going to see a lot of things coming in the book. 
And it always comes back to the thesis. So let's look at this. In your Bibles, he gives this title of Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things. This is a title of dignity, a supreme place. So Jesus is not just another human walking on the earth. He's not just a good teacher. He's not a lot of things people on this earth try to claim. He existed. And he's a supreme, dignified being. Whom he appointed all here through things, through whom also he made the universe. Here's the beauty. There wasn't God the Father one day, and then all of a sudden Jesus the other day. It was literally all the time them. From the beginning of creation, he was there. And then we get this really cool picture. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. And I have the privilege of studying this for a while because Brad emailed me in December going, hey, bro, your uh, first Sunday up is this Sunday, so hopefully you can prepare a little advance. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. One day I was driving into the parking lot, and I was watching the sun rise over here. And I started thinking about the radiance of God's glory. And how in that moment, the sun comes up, right? And all of a sudden, you start seeing different colors. You see different things. And all of a sudden, it gets brighter and brighter. And as it comes, it radiates the light, right? You start to see the sun. That's what Jesus did for God the Father. He came to earth as a baby. And the sun is starting to rise as people get to know him. And as he lives life, he teaches them and shows them who God is. And we eventually get to see the full glory of who God is through the sun. Anybody excited yet? And that's just a few. Anybody love Jesus yet? Oh, yeah. yeah, I do. And then it talks about how he's their exact representation. He gives us a clear picture of who God is. Not just the light, the radiance, but the exact representation. And then it goes on to say he sustains all things by his powerful word. It's not just who he is. It's not just him being God. It's literally just like God at the very beginning of creation. I spoke and it was. Here's Jesus in the Bible going, I'm going to speak and here's the truth. And I'm going to sustain everything because that's who I am by just my word alone. Truly, the most thing we need is the word, but we look for signs and wonders, don't we? Yet by his word. And here comes some of my favorite part more because I'm a sinner and I need him. After he had provided the purification for sins. Sin stains. Sin separates us from God the Father. And yet he takes it all away. And he said, through me, you get to come back to the Father. 
can have a relationship with him. And then the amazing part, it still doesn't stop there. Why? Because for most of us, we know this. He didn't just die. He rose again. But he didn't just rise again. I think this is the thing. A lot of times we see like an Easter and stuff, and it's beautiful that he didn't just die. He rose again. But here's the beauty. The next step, he actually doesn't just stay here. He ascends and sits at the right hand of his father. You know what's beauty about that? He's basically saying it's done. And now I'm going to sit down and rest. I purified the sins. It's finished. Anybody excited about Jesus yet? I mean, two verses, and we got four Gospels. You got all of Paul's letters. You've got the book of Revelation to go, hey, there's more to this than just what you know. And yet in two verses, we get this amazing picture of Jesus. And this thesis will be compared throughout the rest of the book. But here's, here, here's where I'm going to pop the bubble for a moment. And yet, in moments of life, we forget it. And all of this truth goes out the window. Something happens, and every one of us is different. Something triggers us differently, right? And all of a sudden, for some reason, that moment, this truth that we know in our heads, this thing we say we believe in our hearts, all of a sudden seeps out and is gone for that moment, for whatever reason. And we forget this Jesus, the real Jesus, not the American Jesus, not the created Jesus, not the what everybody else wants Jesus, the real Jesus. And I'm going to tattle on myself here. Two weeks ago, I let that happen to me. See, my wife and I, we moved here. Everything was planned perfectly, right? We were going to move here. We moved into an apartment that somebody in the church graciously is letting us borrow planning for our house that we're going to move into. We believed at the beginning of February, my wife was supposed to start her job, you know, at the end of January, and all of a sudden we get this message saying, hey, uh, honey, your job's not going to start till now, March 1st, uh, which means we can't move in our house till you start your job. And all of a sudden I'm sitting there like, you have to be kidding me. And in that moment, all this truth I know and believe went out the window. And I was so heavy in that moment that I had to get out of the apartment. And I actually left my wife and my son. And I got in my car and I cried and I bawled and I yelled at God. And I was like, what is going on? Uh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, right. And I said, where can I go right now to get away, right? Disappear. I was like, Walmart. Because why would I go somewhere and cry in front of a ton of people I don't know yet 
and I don't know a lot of faces yet in the church, so why would I cry at Walmart because I don't want to be seen as this ball baby or you guys calling Brad going, who did we hire, man? So it's like Walmart is going to be my hero right now to stop me from bawling my face out and yelling at God. And so I go, and you know where I hid? I actually hid in the back corner by the plumbing. I was standing by plungers. And I started bawling again by plungers. And going, God, what is going on? We faithfully came here. I have never sensed my calling more in my life till I answered the call to come here. Why is this happening? We've been out of our house for two months. Now, this is going to sound really shallow for a moment here, okay? But I'm human. And I was like, why is this happening? Why can't we just move in our home? Why can't I take my boys into our house and be home? Because it's actually been longer than that for us. Because we haven't felt home for quite a while. And we feel home here and we know this is where God wants us to be. So why can't we get in our house? You know, and God just has a lot of humor. He goes, my child, you're making that house better than me. I say, oh, come on, love. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for making my house a thing better than you. And here's the thing we like to do, though. We'll argue all day why we should have it, right? Why it should be that. Like, we're going to use it for ministry in his kingdom, right? Like, my boys. Think about my boys, God. Like, I can give all these reasons. And he's like, but in your heart, you know deep down you've made that an idol, and it's better than me. And I apologize, and I said, all right, God, you've called me here. There's no clarity. What do you want me to do? And he goes, I want you to live your calling. I called you here to help the students in this community and at this church. And here's what I want from you. I want you to help them see me. That I'm here. That I'm truly here. I want them to see the real me. I want them to see that I want to be a part of their lives. I want them to see that I am better than anything else that they could ever imagine. I want them to know me. I want them to know who I am. I want them to have a relationship with me. And I want them to serve me based on those three things. Why? Because I'm the best thing that could ever happen. And he looked at me and he goes, I know you know that, so teach them. And in Walmart, I was like, all right, let's do this. And before I went home, I drove to that house and I looked at that house and I cried again. I said, this is a beautiful house that I know will be used for you. But if you want me to let it go, we need to find a different house, then I'll do it. And we'll give this house to you, whatever that means. I 
But the truth is, folks, we talk about all in, right? For those that have been here, we talk about all in all the time. Well, it's hard to be all in if you don't have this first. If you don't see Jesus, it's hard to be all in. If you don't know Jesus, it's hard to be all in. If you don't have a relationship with him, it's hard to be all in. And if you're not willing to serve him, it's hard to be all in. And God was bringing me back to ground zero to help me, remind me to be all in too. But that's not the end of the book. <laughs> he takes us to this journey, and I want to show you this. I think we have a slide for it. Here's how the book's going to break down. And there's two goals of this book. One is to elevate Jesus better than anything. So you know what's interesting about this is the people back then will say, oh, that was them back then. That's their struggles back then. But you know what? We put things in the place of these other things are struggling to where we struggle, right? And so we're going to walk through these together, chapters one through through, one through through, uh, one through two. We're going to see how Jesus is better than angels and the Torah. Genesis through Deuteronomy. In chapters 3 through 4, we're going to see how Jesus is better than Moses and the promised land. And it's interesting, too. You don't just see these in the Old Testament. You won't see these just through the book of Hebrews. If you go through the Gospels, you'll see this is a lot of the questions and arguments people bring to Jesus himself. Well, this is what Moses said. Okay, but guess what? I'm better, and here's the truth. Chapters 5 through 7, we're going to see how Jesus is better than the priests and this guy named Achilzedek. In chapters 8 through 10, we're going to see he's better than even sacrifice and covenant. And then we come to chapter 11, one of my favorite chapters of this book. It gives you this huge list of people from the Old Testament. And you know why? Because as we wrestle with these other chapters, 1 through 10, or yeah, 1 through 10. There's not going to just be Jesus better, but there's going to be warnings. Warnings not to scare us, but warnings to say, hey, folks, just like I had to face at Walmart, right? If we get off track, this is where it could lead. So be careful where you're going right now. But I think the author did this on purpose because the people at this time, the audience, whoever they were, knew these people. And he gave the example of these people to say, look at this list of people that they could have had all these other things and lived all these other ways and done all the other things, but they didn't even know Jesus. They didn't even see Jesus, but they still believed in their heart that they were being led to Jesus, even in the Old Testament, and that Jesus is better. So even in their life and circumstances, they still lived it out that Jesus is better. And so when you look through this list, in Hebrews 11, you see all these people that can encourage us in our faith to say, yeah, life is hard. There are days life just downright stinks. But you know what? They went through stuff too. And they kept to it. Because the scary part for us is we can run to other things. We can run to other people. We can run to other beliefs. We can run, we can run, we can run. That's because in those moments we believe everything else is better than Jesus. And 
his people are going to remind us that. And then in chapter 12 through 13, we, we get the closing remarks of the book. So here's my challenge. As we do this study together over the next number of weeks, let's be in the Bible together. Let's pick something. Whatever you need to do, let God meet you where you're at. But just be in the Bible on your own. Don't just wait for Sunday to come for us to teach. Let's believe that he is the best and let's spend time with him in the word. And so for some of us that might mean, hey, I've actually never read Genesis through Deuteronomy before. I'd encourage you to read it. For some of us who've never read through the whole book of Hebrews, I'd encourage you to do it. Read it with us. Get in it. See what God's saying to you. Prepare, actually, for the next Sunday. And again, I'll bring back up, please bring your Bible with you so we can be in it together. But the other thing I want to wrestle with, and this is going to be the, the, the theme for the question of the whole entire series, you're probably going to get annoyed with it eventually. But you know what? Honestly, until we get annoyed, it's probably not really seeping in. And every week we're going to ask you this huge question that we all have to wrestle with. And my prayer for you is, prayer for you is you'll start this week. And that is, what in your life is better than Jesus for you. What in your life is better than Jesus for you? You know, I brought up my house. You know, there's obviously the factor of money. Where is money coming from? But God has been very gracious in that for us. We are okay, so I'm not asking for money this morning. But you know, there's some other things I wrote down, you know, besides money in my house you know there are days I make my wife better than Jesus I go to her before I'll go to him I'll make my kids better than Jesus one of the hardest things in the gospels is when it says you'll know where you're at if you put me before your family and your friends and your wives and your husbands and your kids I'm paraphrasing but and one day I remember sitting in a church service and I remember reading that and I was like, oh man, I am making my kids better than Jesus. I have material wants, not needs. I have material wants that I make better than Jesus. I make my parents better than Jesus. I have a super close relationship with my parents. But one of the things I had to learn was my mom is not better than Jesus. I believe she's a godly woman with a lot of great advice, but she's still not better than Jesus. And this one, to tell on myself, is I believe someday's food is better than Jesus. And what I mean by that, and when you process through your list or your thing, for me, food, it, it's something that when I get stressed or upset or 
emotional or struggle or whatever, instead of going to Jesus and pouring out my heart, I eat food. And usually it's not the healthy food I'm supposed to be eating. Don't tell my doctor. But I let food become more important than Jesus because the truth is anything we put our time, our treasures, and talents in as we share here at SEC, that's better than Jesus. And so I don't know about you, but I want to grow in this, getting better. And part of growing is being aware and naming. And a lot of times being aware and naming is writing it down like I just did for you, saying here's some things in my life that I struggle with making better than Jesus. And I hope you don't run up to me every week and go, how's your food intake? You know, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, or those things. If I give you permission to ask, but I hope it's in a healthy way. But hey, my true heart, though, is to give you hope and excitement about Jesus. But challenge and remind us we can lose our way. And how do we get back to him? Yeah? So let me pray. God, we always want to start by thanking you first, who you are. Thank you that you sent your son. We thank you for those of us who do believe he is the best and we're going to struggle. There's going to be moments, but how do we get back to believing in our heart and our head that you are better? God, I pray for anybody in the room or joining us online that might not see you or know you or have a relationship with you yet. God, I pray today they'll start that knowing that you are best in their life and letting that change their life. So God, thank you for what you're doing, you've done, and what you're going to do in our lives. In your name.